0: This morning's reading is from Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12, and is found on page 804 of your Pew Bible. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, and therefore do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be treated And greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor. Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God.
1: Most churches who celebrate All Saints Sunday today will read from Matthew chapter 5, which is the part of the Sermon on the Mount we call the Beatitudes, when Jesus teaches blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful and the peacemakers. Matthew 5 is the interpretive key to the whole gospel, and that's why I've referred to it a lot already this fall. Jesus' interpretation of who is blessed wasn't what people expected to hear. We would usually say people are blessed when we see they have good health or great wealth or happiness or all of the above. But Jesus turns all that upside down, saying that true blessedness is not about what an individual may or may not have. It's about what a community gives. It's about how a community participates in and serves their neighbors, Those who make peace, those who give mercy, those who thirst for righteousness when they see an injustice. None of the Beatitudes say that blessedness has anything to do with health, wealth, or happiness. Instead, blessedness is being merciful, making peace, seeking justice, which is all about the neighbor, not the self. Sometimes All Saints Day can be reduced to a celebration about an exclusive club of do-gooding individuals whom we claim had nearly perfect moral report cards? Maybe this comes from our Roman Catholic heritage. Even now, in 2023, the United States Conference of Roman Catholic Bishops defines a saint as a person in heaven, officially canonized or not, who lived heroically virtuous lives offered their life for others or were martyred for the faith, and who are worthy of imitation. To be canonized, of course, the Pope himself makes a declaration during a special Mass in honor of the new saint. A formal request for an individual to be considered for sainthood is first submitted to a special Vatican tribunal. The request must explain how the person lived a life of holiness, kindness, and devotion. Jesus says, blessed are those who, and then lists off a bunch of ways, that many, the many, are to serve our neighbor and be merciful. It's not about what I or you get, it's about what we give. But as time went on, an idea grew that each of us is personally responsible for building up my own individual sainthood, I know last week was Reformation Sunday when we remembered the Lutheran identity of reforming starting 500 years ago when Martin Luther, a German priest, reimagined lots of the ways we describe God's relationship with us, but I guess I'm using All Saints Sunday to offer a Reformation lesson part two. In his own life, Luther kept efforting to build his own personal individual sainthood. He tried really hard time and again to live a heroically virtuous life and he kept failing sinning. Paul's letter to the Romans provided a good description of what Luther was experiencing when Paul wrote, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Luther learned from his failures to create, to generate his own sainthood. The way he made sense of it is that he was both saint and sinner at the same time. And that still makes sense to many of us. Because each of us accomplishes our sinnerhood quite well on our own, but our sainthood is a gift that comes into our lives through baptism from God and can never be taken away. My sainthood does not originate from me. Nobody can generate sainthood on their own. Any heroically virtuous life or more simple, everyday faithfulness. Sainthood comes from God as a gift. So All Saints Day is not a day to celebrate the ways of our grandmother or favorite person built their own personal sainthood one good deed at a time, it's a day to celebrate that we sinners live with these hardened hearts and minds and souls that have been unlocked by the grace of God. Not so that we would each be healthy, wealthy, and wise, but so that together we could give so much of ourselves to each other and to our neighbors and to the world that we would just be mercy. We would make peace. We would seek justice. And in the giving, that is blessed. We are all the saints. And our sainthood, as much as it survives despite our brokenness, it also survives death. Which is why when we celebrate All Saints Sunday, we include those in our communion of saints who rest in the peace of Christ. We remember the ways our beloved dead gave mercy with us, made peace with us, and sought justice with us, and the ways they still encourage us, even in the peace of Christ. That's why we have so many of their pictures along the sides of this sanctuary today. It's why we'll name those most recently who have died this past year. With their emphasis on community, the Beatitudes from Matthew 5 are the interpretive key for the rest of the gospel as Jesus time and again teaches and heals and feeds and like, everything he does is done not so that he can simply go die. Jesus was born among us to live and true blessed life happens in community. And so the whole gospel is a story of him persisting to build up a community. The kingdom of God, he sometimes calls it. The body of Christ is what others will call it later. So the text we did hear from Matthew 23, that we heard read just now, it's more of that. Jesus persisting in building a Beatitudes community grounded in grace, whose mission is to love their neighbor. To remain such a community... Jesus knows they're going to need good teachers and good teachings. They're going to need courageous, faithful interpreters of God's good news. Because that's the thing. What Jesus is teaching is nothing new. He's not replacing the law as it was given through Moses in the Old Testament. He says he's fulfilling it, interpreting it without the fear. That most bring to it without the the power hungry motives that the Pharisees and the scribes have. So, okay, to navigate around our own sinnerhood, how do we know what to believe, who to believe, so that we might together live into this sainthood given to us? That's the question Matthew 23 is trying to take on. What makes for authentic teaching? Jesus knows a Beatitudes community is going to need to know who they can trust and what to believe. And I think we can resonate with how difficult this kind of question is. I mean, trying to figure out the authenticity of a teaching is like trying to consume the news in 2023. I mean, there was a time, some of you remember how different it used to be, the news. Like, there was a time when families huddled around their radio once a week. Once a week. To hear the news. And people believed what they heard. So much so that you've probably heard the story when Orson Welles broke into the regular scheduled programming and scared the nation into thinking the earth was being taken over by Martians, War of the Worlds. That sounds ridiculous to us. Who would hear that and be like, what? It's really happening. Look outside, Vern." In the 60s and 70s, something like one in six Americans watched Walter Cronkite most nights. That's not just network news in total. That's just one guy. That's just CBS. And people believed what he said. He was the most trusted man in America. There was a time when most everyone in a community read the same newspaper Watch the same news, and at least agreed upon the facts of issues before arguing about what it all meant or what should be done. But nowadays, we live in a fractured news environment, right? Where if I asked you, where do you get your news? You might say a podcast, you might say an online website, a national newspaper, local TV, maybe it's an international news service. Some of us use late-night comedy as our news source. Some of us gave up altogether a while ago and choose to remain outside the noise because it's really hard to decipher news from opinion and to distill facts from a profit-driven industry who just pump out lots of falsehoods. Well, as difficult as it is to find news that's faithful to facts, it's much more complex to find teaching that's faithful to God's will, to God's ways. I mean, what happened yesterday in Gaza or in Washington or in La Crosse, that's all verifiable, theoretically, by eyewitness accounts, right? It can still be pretty tough to be certain that what we're being told is correct, but the work can be done to certify fact. But how does a community certify the teachings of their religious leaders? Is there work that can be done to certify truth? So Jesus tells the crowds in our story for today that we can discern whether a teaching is authentic by noticing the fit between the content of the teaching and the conduct of the teachers. This is Professor Greg Carey's work, and I like it a lot. Jesus is saying that authentic teachers live according to what they teach. That might sound obvious, but it's not. This is why Jesus enters into a repeated mantra throughout Matthew's 23rd chapter. Every new thought he has in the 23rd chapter starts with, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It's six times Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites, which in Greek can be literally translated to read stage actor. We oftentimes use hypocrite to mean something more like, well, you say one thing and then you do the exact opposite. That is what hypocrite means, yes, but Jesus uses the word more like it means pretender, actor, spouting Claims and teachings to gain status and claim authority and seem heroically virtuous, saintly even, and then live outside those claims and teachings. Another thing about the teacher, Jesus says, is that an authentic teacher does not promote their own status. They are servants of the community. They don't teach in order to be revered or held up. They teach that the teaching would be honored because their teaching strengthens the community. But as for the teaching itself, how can we know which, what, which is good or wise, which is of God and which is not? Jesus makes it clear in Matthew's 23rd chapter that faithful teaching can only lead us to love God and love neighbors. True teaching does not lead to abusing people, any people. I'm going to say that one again. True teaching does not lead to abusing people. So when we get confused about immigration or whether our words matter that much, as people might ask us to use different pronouns for them than we'd like to have to worry about, as we are challenged to consider how to think about guns, or the climate, or minimum wage, or how kids are educated, or how elders are cared for, or the war in Gaza. All that stuff gets really confusing really fast. And we get told by all kinds of people what we should care about, how we should care about it, why, and there's all kinds of differing opinions. So how do we sort through all of it? As lots of these people telling us stuff are very skilled at pulling on our sinnerhood, hoping we'll neglect our sainthood. I mean, living in the United States in 2023, it is an heroically virtuous thing to tune out the messages that tempt us to only love self, to keep our own opinions, to stay close-hearted. Closed-minded, closed-souled. Make it all about your individual self, self self-interest. What's in your bank account? What do you like? Me, 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 me. Amidst all the confusion this world sows into our lives, Jesus cuts through all of it, knowing all about our sinnerhood and all about God's ability to draw out of us together a sainthood that provides this broken world With a community driven by beatitude living, driven by love for neighbor, how can we tell which teaching is authentic, what is of God, when the teaching leads us to love? True teaching does not lead to abusing people, any people. When a teaching leads us to welcome all, build a community that seeks to reconcile and heal, When a community serves their neighbors, remembering that everyone is their neighbor, false teachings pull us away from each other. Authentic teachings build us up, that we may be together the communion of saints, alive and dead and yet to come, all for the sake of the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.